A four-year-old boy is found staring at his coloring book, confused, drooling, and intermittently giggling. When assessed, the child is unable to speak and doesn't appear to be acting age-appropriate for a four-year-old. He seems disoriented, and next to his book, there looks like what appears to be some half-chewed gummy candies. The child's eyes are red, and he intermittently becomes agitated and inconsolable, prompting a call to the poison center. What might be the cause of this young boy's symptoms? If you want answers, keep listening. This is The Poison Lab. everybody, you are listening to The Poison Lab, a show about poisoning from people who manage poisoning. I'm your host, clinical toxicologist and emergency medicine pharmacist, Ryan, and with me as always, my lovely robot co-host, Toxo. Ryan, you really think this case will stump your listeners? It's obviously a marijuana gummy. Two years ago, I would have said there's no way that it couldn't be a marijuana gummy. But you're wrong, Toxo. Unfortunately, we have a few other culprits to consider, and we have a bit of a problem. What's that? There's another drug on the market that's intoxicating and is in a legal gray area, so seems to be widely available. Really? Again? Yeah, well, well, not really a new one. More like an old one that no one ever really thought about, and now due to some farming laws, everyone has access to. And we're starting to get more and more calls at poison centers of kids or people being intoxicated from it. What do you mean? It's a new THC called Delta-8 THC. THC, like in marijuana. Yes, this is THC, just like in marijuana. Delta-9 THC is the active psychoactive component in marijuana. What I'm talking about is Delta-8 THC. Structurally, it's made up of the exact same molecules. They're just rearranged slightly different. It's called an isomer. There's a carbon-carbon double bond at the 8 site instead of the 9 site, thus why it's called Delta-8. Do we really need more cannabinoids? I thought we learned our lessons after all those people started bleeding from rat poison contaminated K2 or spice. Oh yeah, well, K2 or spice are synthetic cannabinoids. Those are man-made compounds, similar enough in structure to stimulate the same receptors, but not the same compound at all. And a lot of people remember them from back in 2018 when they were contaminated with rat poisons. But this is not a synthetic cannabinoid. It's phytogenic, meaning from the plant. Just not the marijuana plant. If it doesn't come from the marijuana plant, then what plant does it come from? Well, Delta-8 THC comes from the hemp plant, which is actually the same plant as a marijuana plant. I am confused. As you should be. Let me break it down for you. Marijuana and hemp are two names for the same plant, the cannabis sativa plant. The difference is the percentage of delta-9 THC, the active component of marijuana, that's in the plant. To be considered hemp, you have to have less than 0.3% delta-9 THC. Anything above that would be marijuana. And as we know, marijuana, federally, is a Schedule One drug, meaning it's illegal to possess or use it. And while some states have legalized recreational or medicinal marijuana use, it's still illegal on a federal level. But if you have a cannabis sativa plant, 
and you have less than 0.3% delta-9 THC, well, now you have a hemp plant. Now, for a while, hemp plants were also strictly regulated, only able to be grown by industry or for academic use, until a bill was passed in 2018 that legalized the farming, transport, and sale of hemp products. Have you noticed that in the last few years, there seems to be a CBD shop popping up on every corner? Oh yes, I stopped into one of those shops. A nice man who smelled a bit strange told me that CBD could help my arthritis. I told him that as a robot I have no joints, but he said that didn't matter. Yes, those are the shops. So the reason we've seen such an explosion in the last few years of CBD shops is because CBD is found in the hemp and the marijuana plant. While the marijuana plant is still illegal, the hemp plant came legal to farm and use in trade in 2018. And the 2018 Farm Bill explicitly states that any part of a hemp plant, including the seeds, all derivatives, extracts, cannabinoids, isomers, acids, salts, and salts of isomers, are able to be used in trade, as long as they contain less than 0.3% concentration of Delta-9 THC. But there's not a word in there about Delta-8 THC. So, Delta-8, being a product or extract of a hemp plant, seems to have become legally available to be sold. So, just like we saw an explosion of CBD products after the 2018 Farm Bill, we're now starting to see an explosion of Delta-8 THC products that are derived from the hemp plant. So people can just run around and buy THC legally now. Well, they can definitely buy it. Whether it's legal or not is sort of a gray area. Some say this is technically covered under the Federal Analog Act, which allows law enforcement to consider any chemical that's substantially similar to a controlled substance listed in Schedule 1 or 2 to be treated as if it were listed in Schedule 1, but only if intended for human consumption. Which, since Delta-8 is sold as gummy edibles or vapes, amongst other things, it would be pretty hard to argue it's not for human consumption. That said, the DEA has not really come out with a firm stance on what their response to this burgeoning Delta-8 industry will be, if any. And... It does fit in the wording of the farm bill as an extract of the hemp product that can be legally sold. But because of that, its legality might depend on how it's produced. With the farming law, it says that this needs to be a product of a hemp plant. So if it's synthetically derived, it might not be legal. Additionally, it's not clear who exactly is doing quality control testing on producing these products. There could be a fair amount of Delta-9 THC that comes along the Delta-8 THC in the extraction process. So it's possible that some of the products being sold might have more Delta-9 THC than is legally allowed and no longer be a hemp product. This is something we've seen in tons of CBD products. When you send them for third-party testing, you often find all sorts of wacky adulterants or higher amounts of THC than they're reporting. Now, I'm no lawyer. But the legal loophole has given enough confidence to retailers to begin selling this publicly in retail settings, nearly all over the nation. So is this stuff just everywhere now? Well, it's not everywhere everywhere. States that ban sales of hemp products, such as Idaho, it would be illegal there. But its perceived legal status has been more than enough incentive for many retailers to begin selling it all over the United States and many others to begin consuming it. I live in a state where all marijuana products are illegal, even medical marijuana. 
And when I Googled Delta 8 THC near me, about 15 stores popped up. In fact, I even saw it in a window of a CBD shop next to my house. So it seems to be quite pervasive, and there's quite a market. There's going to be an estimated $10 million in sales of Delta 8 THC this year. What kind of products are available? It sounds like the child in the case got into Delta 8 THC gummies. Yep, it comes as gummies. The local shop down the street from me sells them in 25 milligram and 100 milligram gummy doses, but there's gummies out there with 1,000 milligrams of Delta 8 THC in it. Then there's vape products with Delta 8 THC in them, and even hemp buds, which are sprayed with Delta 8 THC to enhance their Delta 8 concentration and make them look pretty much indistinguishable from marijuana plant buds. So it seems there are a plethora of creative ways to consume this compound, and it can be smoked or ingested just like with regular Delta 9 THC. But with all these new, delicious, edible dosage forms, we have a little bit of a problem. Suddenly, the entire United States, or at least most of it, seems to have access to sweetly flavored psychoactive substances that are formulated in the shape of a candy. Couple that with an increase in users who aren't familiar with having access to it and might not know how to store it, like far away from children and pets, and we're bound to see an increase in little ones and furry friends getting their hands on what they believe to be delicious candy and suddenly becoming intoxicated. Is that a problem? What kind of effects does it cause? That's a great question. Well, obviously, it has the exact same chemical makeup as Delta-9 THC. The only difference is a carbon-carbon double bond at the 8 position instead of the 9. So if it's built with the exact same materials as THC and looks the same, it probably has similar effects. And that's exactly what we see. Signs and symptoms of marijuana intoxication. Things like euphoria, increased appetite, sleepiness, red eyes. But we can also see more severe symptoms like panic attacks, disorientation, anxiety disorders, and elevated heart rates. But keep in mind that this drug is relatively new to the scene. There's very little medical literature written about the possible health or psychological effects that Delta 8 THC has. Most of what we know about this drug is from users reporting their experiences after ingesting it. Many users call Delta 8 THC light, implying it's less potent than Delta 9. Or they describe it as having more of a body effect and less of a psychoactive component. And this is supported by the single study that we have comparing Delta-8 and Delta-9 THC, or at least the only one that I could find. A 1973 study in the Journal of Pharmacology where they took humans and exposed them to either Delta-8 or Delta-9 THC and compared their heart rates and subjective symptoms. It appeared that Delta-9 THC had more subjective symptoms associated with it and led to a slightly higher heart rate after use compared to Delta-8. So it does appear the traditional Delta-9 THC found in marijuana is more potent than Delta-8 THC. And this is also supported by benchtop laboratory studies that look at how tightly a drug binds to a receptor. THC exerts its psychoactive effect by binding to the CB1 receptor in our brain. I don't want to get too much into the scientific jargon, but when we measure how tightly a drug binds to a receptor, it's called a KI, or binding affinity. A lower number means you need less of the drug to bind the receptor, so it's really potent. The binding affinity of Delta-8 THC to the CB1 receptor 
has been reported to be about 45. That's a concentration in nanomolars. But don't worry too much about that. Just remember, a higher number means it binds the receptor less strongly. The binding affinity for delta-9 THC has been reported to be as low as 5. And most studies report a binding affinity for delta-9 THC of less than 40, supporting that it likely binds more potently to the CB1 receptor than delta-8. All this is to say that delta-8 THC is probably not as strong as delta-9, but that doesn't really matter if you just increase the dosage. And that's why the lowest strength dosage form available for delta-8 THC edible products is about 25 milligrams. Delta-9 THC products come in a wide variety, but a general edible dose is standardized around 5 to 10 milligrams. So delta-8 THC might be less potent, but if you just take more of the drug, it kind of makes that a moot point. And Delta-8 THC gummies come in strengths as high as 1,000 milligrams, which to me is something nerve-wracking if that got into the hands of a little kid, pet, or even an inexperienced user who suddenly takes way too high of a dose. What should someone do if that happens? Well, they should call their local poison center, 1-800-222-1222. While this might be a new substance for America, poison centers have already gotten experience in managing its acute toxicities. Clinical effects of intoxication mimic those of marijuana intoxication, which can sometimes be severe enough that a patient will need medical care. Additionally, it's not like the FDA is monitoring the production of these products, and it's possible a whole slew of other compounds could also be in one of these gummies, like we often find when we submit CBD products for third-party testing. And if there are contaminants, they can also contribute to clinical effects. So if you, your child, or your pet are exposed, call your local poison center, where we have 24-hour access to trained medical experts who can assess the situation and determine what other potential medical management might be needed. Can this be tested for on drug tests? Well, that's another tricky part. It looks exactly like a molecule of delta-9 THC with one atom rearranged. So many of the insensitive screening tests, the kinds we use in urine drug screens, will actually identify delta-8 as delta-9. It cross-reacts and creates a false positive. It doesn't take more than a quick Google search to find many testimonies of people testing positive by hair tests or urine tests for delta-9 THC after using delta-8. Now, it's very common for substances to create false positives for THC on urine drug screens. Even things like over-the-counter stomach acid medications can do it. So we usually confirm these results with a confirmatory assay called gas chromatography mass spectrometry. There are sophisticated methods out there that can differentiate between delta-8 THC and delta-9 THC. Like this paper in the Journal of Analytical Toxicology quantitation of delta-8 THC and delta-9 THC, as well as 10 other cannabinoid metabolites in oral fluid by HPLC-MS, where they successfully differentiated between delta-8 and delta-9 and identified both compounds in oral fluids. But not every lab has these methods or sophisticated technology. When I spoke with a lab that we routinely use, they didn't believe they had the ability to differentiate between delta-8 or delta-9. And I've seen other reports of people reportedly ingesting Delta-8 THC and having THC show up positive on the confirmatory assay as well as the urine drug screen. So whether you can actually confirm if it was Delta-8 or Delta-9 THC is going to depend totally on whether the lab has the methods and technology available to do it. 
So it might be something that needs to be discussed with a lab manager or analytical toxicologist to make sure they're looking for the right drug. To add another degree of complexity, if we think someone ingested Delta-8 THC and they test positive on urine drug screen or on confirmatory assay, well, we don't know that there wasn't Delta-9 THC in the product they ingested as well. As we mentioned before, when third-party testing is performed on these hemp products, it's not uncommon to find Delta-9 THC at higher levels than reported. Now, from my perspective, being able to test for this doesn't really matter because it probably won't change the clinical management of an intoxicated person. But I can only imagine it's going to cause some headaches in the legal system. As we now have a product that can look just like Delta-9 THC if they're spraying hemp buds with Delta-8 THC, it produces a similar clinical syndrome, and you can test positive for Delta-9 THC even though you were taking Delta-8. But I guess in theory, it's not illegal to take Delta-8, but I'll leave those headaches for the lawyers to figure out. Great points, Ryan. Can you give me a summary so I can share with my friends? Due to the 2018 Farm Bill, Hemp products and all derivatives recently became legal. That includes a psychoactive compound found in the hemp plant called Delta-8-THC. Delta-8-THC is structurally an isomer, or the exact same chemical formula, as Delta-9-THC, but with one key difference, a carbon double bond in the 8 position instead of the 9 position. This likely makes the compound less psychoactive but it's still able to produce psychoactive effects like euphoria, just like Delta-9-THC. While Delta-9-THC is a Schedule One drug federally, Delta-8-THC has no regulations around it and is in a legal gray area. When testing for Delta-8-THC, it's very likely to create false positives for Delta-9-THC on screening urine drug assays. And whether or not you can confirm it to be Delta-8-THC might depend on what lab is doing the confirmation. It is widely available in any state where hemp products can be sold, including many states where marijuana, even medical marijuana, is prohibited. Delta-8-THC can be found at CBD shops, vape shops, or even gas stations, or purchased on the internet. Its wide accessibility means there will be an increase in exposures to Delta-8-THC, both by people intentionally trying to take it and by those unintentionally, kids and pets. While it hasn't been out long enough for us to have a good pedigree of the clinical effects that intoxication can produce, its chemical structure is only a single atom different than Delta-9-THC in marijuana, so we expect to see a similar syndrome. Sleepiness, lethargy, red eyes, perhaps increased appetite, but sometimes more severe symptoms like panic attacks, high heart rates, unsteadiness on her feet, and disorientation. All things that can be reported with severe marijuana intoxication. If you have a potential exposure, call your local poison center, 1-800-222-1222 and you'll get trained medical experts to help assess the situation for you. All right, that'll wrap it up for this episode. Just wanted to get the word out about a potentially new intoxicating substance that might find its way to a gummy bear near your child or pet. As always, you can follow this show on Twitter at lab underscore poison or myself at empoisonfarmd. We have an Instagram, talks underscore talk, and a Facebook, The Poison Lab. All shows, medical games, resources, and medical education lectures can be found at www.thepoisonlab.com. 
If you like what you heard today, feel free to subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts so you can hear our next episodes. Or go back and take a listen to our old ones. Our next episode is going to be another rendition of Toxicologist vs. the Internet with our special guest, Dr. Justin Corcoran, emergency physician and medical toxicologist. We have a good time talking about some of the interesting questions that are posted on the Internet about drugs and their potential toxicity as well as going through some cases of severe poisoning and trying to guess the poison that was responsible. And as always, if you have ideas for the show or you just want to send us a note, reach out to us at TalksTalk1 at gmail.com. Thanks for listening today. Hope you can tune in next time. Hey, Toxo, can you play us out? The information on this show is for educational purposes only and should not be interpreted as medical advice or treatment recommendations. Contact your doctor for health questions or call your local poison center at 1-800-222-1222. The opinions expressed on this show do not represent those of our employers. This show is fully written and shoddily produced by Ryan Feldman. Don't forget to give it a share with your nerdy friends. See you next time. Ta for now. <laughs>